title today is uh, The Power to Hate Wickedness. The Power to Hate Wickedness. And um, I will keep emphasizing the fact that these messages are online. Please, if you have not subscribed to our YouTube page, it's LiveGate Outreach TV. Make sure you subscribe to it. Tell your friends to subscribe to it. Even if you've watched the message online or you've been in the service, always go to every message we put there and go and like it. It has a propensity to reach more people within your own networks so that more people can be blessed by the word. And God bless you as you do so. This is the fifth topic in our series, Living in the Power of the Love of God. It's the fifth topic, Living in the Power of the Love of God. Hallelujah. And I want to encourage us to be following this series. If you go to the YouTube page, as I said, you will find that each one of the series are on a playlist. So every eight messages, nine messages, 12 messages, four messages that are part of that series will be in a playlist. So one will play after the other. It's a very wonderfully uh, arranged thing there. Let's make the most of it. And we're also on all the podcasts, like I've always said. I'll talk a little bit more about that later on because I really want us all to be pushing those messages out there. Not because we want to make a name for ourselves, but because I believe very strongly that a lot of the things God is telling us here in building character, building the total man that a Christian should be, is something that our generation really needs. And I believe God that as we sow that seed, God will be working with us to reach many in Jesus' name. So this is session five on uh, the power to uh, the power to, the, to living in the power of the love of God, and uh, we are on the power to hate wickedness. We said this series is all about loving what God loves and hating what he hates. Romans 5.5 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God, thank you for the banner, the love of God has been poured, or, uh, poured out in our hearts. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The love of God in our hearts is what gives us the propensity to love God and to love people. And when we love him, and you see, we have no capacity in ourselves, in our natural man to love. That is why he first loved us, then he put his love in our hearts. This is why we can love him back. He did not wait for us to love him first, otherwise we would have no hope because we have no capacity to love him first. So he loved us, showed himself to us when we responded to his love he now put his love in our hearts so that we can love him back well and much more also love people the same way he loves them and when we love people we will hate the things that he hates in the lives of people as well so this is what it is so we must be people who love what he loves and hate what he hates the bible refers to about seven things that god says are an abomination to god it says six that he hates we have been reading that from proverbs 6 verse 16 Let's read it again, 6, 16 to 19. Everybody, let's go. There are six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. That's 17. A proud look, let's go. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, verse 18, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to running into evil, and then verse 19. Now read verse 19 very well. A false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among brethren. This will be our last two topics. The false witness, to hate false witnessing and to hate sowing discord. But today we are on, the emphasis is on verse 18, which is the second part of verse 18. Let's go back to that verse 18b. It said, feet that are, sorry, verse 18a, a heart that devises wicked plans. A heart that devises wicked plans. What the Bible calls wickedness or wicked devices. So in this session, our focus is God's hatred on the heart that devises wicked plans. These are wicked acts of people. And God hates it. It is a matter of the heart. That's why he said he does not like a heart that devises wicked plans. Every kind of wickedness you see expressed today. Somebody does something wicked. And this particular topic encapsulates everything we are talking about, right from the lying tongue, proud look. They are all uh, processes, they are all part of what the Bible calls wickedness. 
But I want us to see wickedness today in the light of an intentional behavior that harms others. Wickedness is the quality of being evil. It's the quality of being evil in intention and execution. It is not an accidental thing. It is something somebody does by thinking it in their heart and carrying it out. So it is the quality of being evil or being deliberately morally wrong. They deliberately step into immorality. It is wickedness. It is wickedness to do the things that are not correct intentionally. It is wickedness. It is born out of a corrupt mind. A corrupt mind. It is born out of a mind that is being corrupted by the enemy. The sole purpose of wickedness is to separate man from God. It is the seed of the devil to make the relationship between God and man a difficult one or an impossible one. The devil knows that ever since God created man in his image and after his likeness, why will God make man in his likeness? Because he wants him to like what he likes. He wants him to be able to relate with him. He wants him to have dominion. We started this year with those, those, those series from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28. He wants him to have dominion. He wants him to be in his likeness. So, but the evil seed that is of the devil is what God hates. So when a person partakes of it and lives it out, it, it creates a gulf between him or that person and God. Now, only God knows, because it's a matter of the heart, only God knows the true intent of the heart of any man at any one time. You wish you knew your heart. You thought you knew your heart. You wish you knew your heart. But I tell you, you don't know it. I don't know my heart. I can only pray to God to help me know my heart. Every one of us must understand. We think we have a mastery because when we read scriptures like the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it proceeds issues of life. We believe that that means that we have this kind of powerful control by ourselves over our heart. No, it only means pray. Pray for your heart. Pray that God will protect your heart from evil. Pray that God will protect your heart from processing and manufacturing evil. You know, everyone is open to the suggestions of the devil. And it goes into the heart of everyone. There is no way you can be excluded. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. So we all hear the same things. But you see, Jesus said, it is not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what does what? What comes out. So when you hear evil, and it comes as an evil seed, and you pray to God to say, Lord, I reject this evil. I reject thinking about this evil plot, this evil suggestion, what happens is that the Holy Spirit takes it out of you and does not allow you to manifest it. That's why not what you hear defiles you. No, not what you hear defiles you. It is what you do with what you hear. If what you hear comes into you and finds space in you and grows in you and then bears fruit through your actions, through your words, then there is defilement. So people who have tried in time past to create communes and uh, religious sects that have felt that the best way to live in this world is to seclude yourself. You know, we've seen that in our history and people still practice it. They seclude themselves and go to very isolated places, don't talk to anybody and they believe that that will prevent them from hearing evil and partaking of evil. It's a waste of time. The devil can come into their midst there where they are secluded <laughs> and suggest evil to them and they continue to manifest the evil. So we must understand how to let our heart truly be surrendered to God. Jeremiah was a man who God called and uh, in a very difficult time, Jeremiah was one of those prophets that God sent to his people at a time when his people were really, really in very, very deep sin. And uh, there are a few prophets that had that kind of uh, a, a encounter. Jeremiah is one, Habakkuk, uh, uh, Hosea is another person that had that kind of, you know, encounters with God, that God really depended on them to reach his people with the message of turn around and repentance. God said to him in Jeremiah 17, verse 9 and verse 10. Let's read it together. It says, the heart is what? Deceitful above all things. Are you reading with me? And desperately wicked. Let's read it again. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. 
Can you see the quality? Desperately wicked. Intentionally wicked. He said, who can know it? You think you know it? Another person thinks, when somebody comes here, I, I know your heart. He's, he's, a, he's a joker. <laughs> because he doesn't even know his own heart first. Hallelujah. If you can say, God told me what is in your heart. Well, that one you have to respect. Because God can do that. Because look at what he says in verse 10. He said, I, the Lord, let's read it together. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. Even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Have you ever thought of the fact that when God said to Abraham, now I know that you fear me. You ask yourself, did he not know before? Is he saying that he who is omnipotent and omniscient, who knows everything and omnipresent, who is always everywhere. He's now saying now, I know. Now is a constant, it's a term in time. But he said here that I test the mind. I know what I know, but I still test your mind. I still put your mind to test because I want you to bear fruit that will show me that you are truly the person that you say you are to me. He said, I search the heart. I test the mind. This is why we cannot do anything without God. If we want to know our own hearts, our relationship with God must be solid. If we want to know what is in the hearts of people around us, we must have this walk with God. When God reveals our hearts to us and he helps us to see where we are, we can relate much better. And not only that, we can eschew all forms of wickedness. He said, I give to every man according to the fruit of his doings. I give to them according to the fruit of his doings. What they manifest, what they bear is what helps me to give and relate to them. So, although everyone is born a sinner, we know this very well, and there is a natural wickedness. That verse 9 says the heart is desperately wicked. This is why at times you'll be shocked. You can watch two-year-olds, toddlers, put them together in a place. They're playing one minute and everybody is enjoying the play. From nowhere, one will just take the hand and slap the other one. And you hear it with a loud bang and you're like, what? <laughs> that is the heart. <laughs> that is desperately wicked. In a two-year-old. In a two-year-old, just right there. So that you can see. I think God paints such pictures for us at times to see that we need to really surrender this heart to him. So, because the natural heart is wicked, the Bible says, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It means that everyone, no one is exempted. But anyone who comes to the Lord in repentance is given a new heart. Hallelujah. And this new heart is a heart of potential. This is what we must understand. We always say, create in me a new heart, O God, and renew the right spirit within me. But you see, at that point, David was already a follower of God. He was already a person with a new heart. So why is he saying, create in me a new heart? It simply means transform my heart. Transform my heart. A heart that is yielded to God is a heart of potential transformation. This is why Romans 12:2 says that, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't stay in the way of the wickedness of this world. Don't rely on the evil plotting and the strategy and the, the kind of things that people do in this world. But be ye what? Transformed. Tell your neighbor for me, don't be conformed. Be transformed in your mind. The natural tendency of the mind is to be conformed. Is to just simply follow the norm. The easiest thing to do many times are usually the wrong things. They are naturally the wrong things. To, to tell a lie, to just escape or exaggerate something, or to just walk in some kind of pride, some bitterness, just to do something that will suit the flesh. They are usually the wrong things. It is a transformed mind that will understand that I must not continue to allow any form of wickedness in my heart. He said, don't conform, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says, so that you can prove what is good and acceptable to God. So man's refusal, however, we must understand, for this transformational power always leads to corruption. Because God's spirit will not strive with man. Remember in the days of Noah, God said he will no longer strive with man. Genesis chapter three, 6 verse 3. 
And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. The Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. For he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 days. God's spirit said he will not strive with man forever. Hallelujah. And every one of us must understand that we have a role to play in making sure that we are not allowing our spirit to be rejected, to be rejecting the spirit of the Lord. Because what happens is that when man continues to refuse the transformational power of God, man slips into a state that we call the reprobate mind. And that state has nothing other than wickedness. Paul captured it very well in Romans chapter 1. And let's read some of the things he said there. That there are, there are a lot of rejection of truth. Yeah, let's read Daniel 11:32 first, that's fine. He said, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall do what? Corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. The people who know their God, the people who live for their God, the people who respond to the commands of their God, the people who love their God, they shall be strong. They will not be corrupted. You see, this story of the corruption here, if you read the whole of Daniel 11, it talks about four kings. And one king of the north was the one who wanted to start to corrupt people who were doing well, people who were in the sanctuary. He now was tempting them because he wanted to reinstall idol worship in the sanctuary. I'm just paraphrasing. You can read the entire chapter. It's a very interesting chapter of many kings from the south, the north, and so on. So this king of the north was trying to usurp the sanctuary of God by instituting things. So he started by corrupting those who would believe his lies. He said those who do wickedly against the covenant, he now corrupted them with flattery. He started telling them that they were doing well. They were actually the right people there, and so on and so forth. But those who knew their God, the Bible says, they will be strong, and they'll do exploits. So we must understand that this is what it means for us. It is a determination that we must make to be strong. A determination that we must make to keep knowing God for ourselves. Our generation has long deviated from where we took responsibility of knowing God from ourselves and placed it on people. We have to go back to the place where the knowledge of God we have is for ourselves. Yes, we grow. Yes, we are at different stages, but everyone must make an intentional effort to know God for themselves. If you are in any profession and you want to rise, you want to go higher, and you want to occupy top positions in that profession, the first good thing you do for yourself is to know the profession for yourself and know it very well. Because if whatever level you are is a reflection of what you know. The day you know more and can impact more, you are given the next level. That is how it is in the spirit. You must know God for yourself consistently so that you are not allowing any form of wickedness. The rejection of the truth is therefore what makes wickedness to multiply. This is what Paul said to the Romans in Romans chapter 1, verse 28 to verse 32, we're going to read. He said, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they had the knowledge of God, but somehow out of the flesh, the Bible says God, they started not to retain God in their knowledge, the Bible says God now gave them over to a debased mind a reprobate mind, to do the things which are not fitting. Now, this is where Christians must be very, very careful. Many times when we talk about wickedness, people immediately think about people who are not born again, people who naturally have a predisposition to wicked acts, to things that are sinful. But he said, these people did not like to retain God in their knowledge, so they knew God. But they did not like to retain God. So God now decided to give them over to a debased mind to do what is not fitting. Let's look at some of those things. Verse 29. They were filled with all unrighteousness. They began to live a life of unrighteousness rather than seeking after righteousness. The Bible says the work of those who are saved is to keep seeking first the kingdom of God. And what is righteousness, not unrighteousness. And then all other things shall be added to them. 
But we have a twisted mindset that feels that we have to chase the all other things in unrighteousness so that we can be righteous or prove our righteousness. That is how polluted our world has become. We chase the things that are supposed to naturally follow us in unrighteousness to demonstrate our righteousness. We claim to be Christians, so we want to show off. We want to demonstrate that we are making progress in our Christianity. And all which is good, but if the motive is such that we are chasing the things of the world in unrighteousness, rather than chasing the things of the kingdom in righteousness, then we have, we, we have, we are all, of all men, like Paul would say, most miserable. This is why there is a lot of frustration in the body of Christ today. When our pulpits only continue to emphasize materialism and the things of this world and continue to hype people about what they can acquire and what they can get and what they can become, which is quoted in many so-called prosperity verses and prosperity messages, we inadvertently many times subject people to the pursuit of things rather than the pursuit of God. And it is a wicked thing to do. God is going to hold Everyone, whoever mounted any pulpit whatsoever, whether in front of 50 people or 5,000 or 5 million, he's going to hold them accountable for what they said about him on judgment day. Every one of us must understand this. It may look like a field day today. It may look like nothing is happening. But God is watching. Everyone who continues to allow the minds of people to be filled with unrighteousness will have a case to answer before God. He said those people denounced God, so he left them to be with unrighteousness. Their hearts to be filled with unrighteousness. Sexual immorality, another perversion of our times. Wickedness, sexual immorality. There is no part of scripture that has ever not that has never emphasized the hatred of God to sexual immorality. Everything from Old Testament right to the New Testament. And we have a generation today that sells sex. As a matter of fact, one of the, uh, by, one of the uh, measurements of, uh, of entertainment these days is how much sexuality is, is sold in it. It's one of the measures of success. It is so disheartening to see. When I was young, some adverts started to do that and they were one-offs and people were talking about it. I remember uh, the people my father's age used to be talking about it from pulpits like this. And I would listen as a child and just wonder what it was. But now it's so prevalent everywhere. It is like a normal thing now that you make an advert and just sell some sexuality about it. It is immoral. It is, the gen, it is the Jezebel spirit that seeks to control the minds of kings. It is the Jezebel spirit that seeks to debase men of honor and men of dignity. We must be people who understand that the more we let God walk on our hearts, the more we find ourselves not leaning much more to sexual immorality. It has become so prevalent that at times we don't even notice the wickedness that is in some of those things when we see them in movies or, or, or comedy skits and so on and so forth. Sexual immorality. And then it singles out wickedness. Like I said, this intentional act of being morally wrong, it encompasses everything else in that place. This intentional act that a person thinks a, a strategy of evil in their heart and they execute it. And last week we talked about covetousness, maliciousness, intention to hurt, deliberate intention to hurt another person, being malicious about them, full of envy. We talked a little bit about that last week. Murder, we talked about that. Strife, always seeking to prove a point. Anyone who has an understanding of God and knows where they are going in this life can never walk in strife. Never. There is no chance for it. There is no room for it. When you find a man drawn into strife, it means they have lost the sense of purpose of their lives. They have lost the fact that God says he knows the thoughts that he thinks towards them, that they are of good and not of evil, to give them a future and a hope. They have lost it. They have lost it. At times, you have to understand that the devil is always seeking to make you walk in strife. You have to identify it. 
Many years ago, we used to live in Wolverhampton. This was many years ago, 17 years ago, thereabouts. We were living in a, in a, in a terraced house, a uh, three-bedroom house, lovely area, New Hampton Road West. Is it east or west? I keep forgetting. I think it was west we were living. And um, very lovely place. We were very happy. Our kids were young. We enjoyed it a lot. And uh, my wife and I used to talk about that house a lot. We had a neighbor who just likes causing trouble. She likes causing trouble because we shared the same boundaries uh, with our gates. So when I come in, they, they, everybody does it in the place. When you drove your car to the, to the rear garden where there was a park for everyone, you have to open your gate. But when you open your gate, it opens to your neighbors because these are terraced houses. You understand what I'm saying? When I open this gate, it opens to the neighbor here, opens this gate. So, so what everybody does is you bring in your car, park it in, and close back your gate so that your neighbors can have access to their own gates when they come. But we had this neighbor to one of our sides of the building who just wanted to cause trouble. And we've spoken to her very nicely. We said to her, you know what? You don't need to do this because what she does is she opens her gates in the mornings and leaves it like that when her son drives out. And she leaves it like that. So when we come, we have to come out of our cars, close her gate first, and open it, and then drive out. You know, just makes it more difficult. I went to her and I said to her, I said, why are you doing this? That everybody, she spoke rashly and said some things that I cannot say here, and I, I, I went away. And um, one day, I saw her. I was, I was doing the dishes in the, in the um, uh, sink, so I could look outside the garden, and I could see her clearly. She flung open the gate so widely after our discussion, as if come and come and do whatever you want to do. She flung it widely like that and and walked away. And I saw the whole action. I said, Lord, I'm being tested here. <laughs> I'm being tested here. If it was David Oloke of many years ago, that day would have been a big drama. <laughs> but I thank God my heart has been renewed many, many times. So I just left it like that. But let me cut this long story short. That was the last day that she needed to open that gate. Because you know what happened? They brought that car back. And I'm not saying this to, to rejoice over her, but I'm telling you exactly what happens. You can make an interpretation of it, however. But I'm not, I'm not sort of boasting about it. Because it's nothing I did. But the reality is that they towed back that car right off, half damaged, that day. And they managed to just reverse it. The tow truck managed to reverse it, pushed it back into the place. And that gate was permanently shut till I left that. <laughs> till I left that. <laughs> strife. If I had gone into strife with her, she would have pulled me into some acts of wickedness. I have a similar case now. Something happened in our, in our house, even just now as I speak. And some part of the fence was damaged by the people who were working at the other side. And I called the guy. I said, this is not right. My son called him. We tried to reach him. After I saw that he wasn't making much progress, I said, let me take this on. And, uh, you know, I called him. I tried to reach him as well. And then he just said to me over the phone, this is the CEO of the, the place. He said, what? is it that small damage on your fence? And I said, why? What is all this? It's a damage on my fence. Do you agree? Say yes. You caused it. Do you agree? Say yes. Say why are you making it? And then he said to me, why are you making a force about that little thing on your fence? I said, it's not about being a little thing or not. It is a damage. And in this country, if you damage somebody's property, you call your insurance to come and repair it or you repair it yourself. It's very simple. I don't know why you're trying to make He said, well, this is not he, you know, was very rude on the phone. And the Holy Spirit just said to me, leave him. There is no outcome yet, but I've left him alone. <laughs> I've left him alone. But I want you to know that you will be tested many times because we are in that generation. People wanting to pull you into strife, into your workplace. It is wickedness, deceit, evil-mindedness. The Bible says they become whisperers, verse 30. They become backbiters, verse 30. They become backbiters, backbiters, haters of God. People who are violent, People who are violent in their mannerism and intentions. The Bible says that these people will also be proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. <laughs> they devise it. They think evil, manufacture it, and actually carry out evil plans. He said, this is what you are going to see. When such people become debased in their minds, they become undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving. 
Can you see verse 31? This is so, these are some of the things that believers must be very careful to not to make sure that our minds are being transformed so that we don't get debased to the point where we become undiscerning, where we become untrustworthy. Very difficult to trust people again. You can't trust people again. Especially when it has to do with money. Somebody say money. I didn't say money, say money. Mm-hmm. You can't trust people when it comes to money many times. And it's so bad. It's so bad. When I was a little boy and they were, were in, in schools, secondary school, and they were having, uh, uh, you know, uh, what do you call these clubs? Science club, uh, debating society. I don't know whether they still do those things. We used to have them in secondary school in my days. And when they are selecting officials. They will vote for president. They will vote for vice president. They will, when it comes to the treasurer, they will just pick out the Christian among them. They say, you, be our, no voting, nothing. They'll point to people like us and say, you are our treasurer from today. That's how they used to put us in. Anybody they recognized was a Christian. But this time, I leave it at that. <laughs> I leave it at that. You do that at your own risk. You do that at your own risk because he might even be the worst. <laughs> God have mercy. The best mind, the best mind, the Bible says, they will be untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, brutal. I explained this a few weeks ago. They don't care who is hurt as long as they can have their way. These are wicked acts. And I can tell you many times we don't read portions like this because we think I'm going through them because most of the time we think, oh, no, this can't be me. But I am telling you that everyone, the Bible says, you must guard your heart. The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Do you know that until you are tested, you don't really know what you can do and what you cannot do? You don't know. You don't know. You say, I can never do that. Until the temptation, if the temptation has never come to you, never say, I can never do that. Even if you have passed it once. <laughs> Hallelujah. So many people say things and they just think because the heart will not always tell you where you need. It is the Holy Spirit that will continue to make you see that there is a tendency here for wickedness. He said, who, verse 32, knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Can you see that he's talking of believers here? And you see that he's talking of believers here. He said that these people know the righteous judgment of God. They are believers. They are believers. And they know that those who practice such things are deserving of death. Because they know that the wages of sin is what? They know. They know. Unbelievers don't know that. You, we tell them. So he's talking about people who have receive the knowledge of God, but are refusing the transformational power of God. And gradually, they are slipping into elements of a debased mind without knowing it. He said, not only do they practice it, but they also approve those who practice them. We all must be very careful because God hates wickedness in all forms of its guises. May God deliver us from every form of wickedness. In the mighty name of Jesus. I say, may the Lord deliver us from every form of wickedness. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Psalm 45 from verse 6. The Bible says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Verse 7. Let's read it together. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. This was a prophetic word concerning Jesus Christ. Because it talks about God anointing. God anointing. And you can see your God, your is capital Y, so it's talking about somebody that also belonged to divinity. But God the Father anointed God the Son with the oil of gladness more than his companions. How did he do this? He overcame wickedness. That is why Philippians 2 from verse 5, you don't need to turn to it. He said, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus who, even though he was equal with God, did not consider it robbery, 
But the Bible says that he became obedient to death. He took on the form of a bond servant and he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of a cross. He refused wickedness. That is why the Bible says God anointed him above his fellows. We read the story of Joseph today because it is important that we all understand that the example that Joseph, God used Joseph to give to us is for us to see how we should not be party to wickedness. And we may suffer the consequences of it like Joseph did, but in God's own way, God always reward righteousness. Pastor Lola read for us earlier on Genesis chapter 39 from verse 1 to 23. I'll just pick a few verses. Let's start from verse 7. This is when the master, is, the wife of the master was luring him, trying to lure him into adultery. The Bible says it came to pass after these things that his master's wife casting eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. Verse 8. But he did what? He refused. And said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. Verse 9. There is, let's read verse 9 together. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and do what? Sin against God. How then? This is a man who recognized his place of honor. Every time we are lured into immoral acts of any kind, whether it is sexual, whether it is strife, whether it is some kind of uh, you know, rivalry, we are lured into it. It means that we are losing a sense of who we are. He was a slave, but he said, there is no one greater in this house than I. Can you listen to that? No one greater in this house than I. So it's not about who you are physically, but who God has made you. It's not about your societal standing. It's about who you are in Christ. The Bible says you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a peculiar person. You are called to show forth the praises of him. Always remind yourself this thing. Every time the devil wants to pull you into any act of wickedness. Say, no, I am dignified. I cannot be seen doing this. I cannot be seen falsifying this. I cannot be seen committing this. I am dignified. I am a person of honor. Hallelujah. He said, there is no one like that. He said, so why should I do? Why did he call it wickedness? Because it is a betrayal of the trust. Not just of the man who gave him so much favor and position, but God who placed him in such a place. How many slaves get the opportunity of being in the place where Joseph was? Very rare. He was a favored man. I want us all to understand that every time we compromise, what we say to God is that we are refusing to accept whom he has made us. But today, God is going to be showing us how we will keep overcoming every spirit of wickedness in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, although standing for the truth and righteousness seemingly yielded an earthly punishment for Joseph, which in the, was in the form of a prison sentence, God demonstrated his commitment to those who refused to do wickedly. The Bible says they shall be strong and they shall do exploits. Those who stand, those that know their God, shall be what? Strong and they shall do exploits. Look at what happened to Joseph after he was put in prison and all that. This is verse 39. We're going to deal with some aspects of how he was lied against when we talk about false witnessing and all that, but let's go straight to verse 21. He said, but the Lord was with what? Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him what? Favor in the sight of who? The keeper of the prison. So the favor in Potiphar's house is not given by Potiphar. Because if it was given by Potiphar, it would have ended after he left Potiphar's house and was put in prison. Do you get, do you get my point now? Because the, the favor on your life as the righteous is not restricted 
by what man does to you, where man places you. It's not. It's not. For 20 years, I, I lived in a, I worked for a university in this country. There was, to the glory of God, I'm not boasting about this, but this is just a reality. I never ever, even when I was a research student in the place, doing my PhD, I was not living at the level most research students were living, by many standards. I was not. I was not. I was a research student preaching in a church like this in the year 2002. The dean of my faculty at that time, the dean of my faculty was a congregant. And he walked up to me after the service, said, David, God bless you. That was a good message. I really enjoyed it. The Lord bless you. And then he has just from nowhere, he said, do you need a job? I said, sir, you know I'm a student. <laughs> do I get a job? I haven't finished. You know everything. You know, because the person knows my condition very well. He said, and actually, I'm thinking when I finish my PhD, I'll move to Canada. Somebody say Canada. <laughs> I was planning to just go to Canada. That was all. That was my vision. I had gone there, done driver's license. My wife and I, we opened an account. We had even paid for a house. We were really serious about moving to the place because that's where we planned moving to about five years before then. Anyway, he let me talk everything then he said to me again, I said, do you need a job? And I now realize that there is a difference between having a job and going to Canada. <laughs> that was how I got my first work permit in this country. It's public knowledge. That's how God gave me my first work permit. Two years into doing a PhD. When they gave it to me, they said, now because you have been given a, a job in the university, you can't hold studentship anymore, so we will keep you on studentship for only six months to finish your PhD, and then you'll be moved into full-time staff. They said, can you finish in six months? I said, even if you want it in one month. <laughs> when the job is waiting, even if it's one month, I will not sleep, I'll finish. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I can go on and on and on and on like that. For 15 years, I have run a consultancy practice in this country. 15 years I can't explain it, but what I can tell you is this. When God favors your life and you keep standing for what you should stand for, there is a way your life, like Joseph, speaks beyond the life of your contemporaries. I say to speak beyond the life of your contemporaries. In the mighty name of Jesus. The Bible says, therefore, the Lord your God has anointed you above who? Your fellows. You love righteousness, you hate wickedness, therefore the Lord your God will anoint you above your fellows in the name of Jesus. Amen. With the oil of gladness, that is the oil of favor. Everywhere you go, it will go with you. The oil of favor, the oil of gladness, more than your companions in the name of Jesus. Every one of us must understand this. That even though it seems as if they put him in prison, the Bible says in verse 22, the, prison, the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners. I'm reading Genesis 39, 22. Committed to Joseph's hands all the prisoners. That was to start practicing for prime minister position. <laughs> it's true. Why would they give him such position? It's just because God wanted him to start practicing administration and management of people so he could understand people's problems, he could understand where they were coming from. So everybody who had a problem, everybody who had a situation, they didn't know what to do, they, this one is fighting that one, they come to him because he was their leader. God started to prepare him because the throne he was going would, would have to be to now be doing it with millions of people. What is God committing into your hands today? And you think God has abandoned you. You think he has forgotten you for standing in righteousness. You think you are just in that prison. And it seems as if, you know, Lord, is this how my life... No, that's not how your life will end. No. There is a training. Someone said there's a training. There's a process. If God does not take you to certain stages and he puts you where he wants you to be, by yourself you will be begging him to take you back <laughs> to where you are coming from. I tell you, if you have not dealt with certain things, the Bible says that to whom is who is faithful with little, 
much is given. Because there is a way that faithfulness in little things keeps God in knowing where your heart is so that many things will not break you or take your heart away from him. Hallelujah. The Bible says, and let's go back to verse 22, the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in prison, whatever they did, it was what? He's doing. Can you see so much influence? He tells them exactly what to do. Look at again, verse 23. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because what? The Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Since 2005, I saw the privilege that uh, anytime I had an opportunity of going for a conference, I can take my wife. At times, I take the whole family. If I get a sponsor, I get sponsored by the university. I get a wisdom that I can, you know, add the cost of the flight for my wife, and then I take my wife along. I just started it like that, and then by 2020, when we went to, we went somewhere to get, sorry, 2019, just before the lockdown, we were together in Hong Kong, and then we started counting all the countries we had gone to. And I looked at how much it all cost. I found that it was a fraction of what it would have cost if not for that help of God. The wisdom of God came for me as early as that time that since you are in this kind of profession, instead of planning, going for conference, come back and planning a separate holiday, use my wisdom. That is how I join Holiday Plus Conference every time. <laughs> holiday Plus Conference, my... <laughs> When we reach there, if his family, I say, you go and let me go and present my paper. I will tell them all the things about the paper. The next day, I'll join them on the bus ride. Hallelujah. The wisdom of God. Now, those are 15 years that can never come back again. But I now ask myself, what if I didn't take advantage of those things at that time? I'm just trying to make you see how God can keep making whatever you do to prosper. Don't lock yourself in and think that this is the end of life. There is something about you as you stand for righteousness that will be beyond your own imagination. Open your mind to the gifts of God and watch God help you continue to manifest his fruits in Jesus' name. So God therefore lifted Joseph like he did his son Jesus Christ. Proverbs 14.34, the Bible says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to many people. You have nothing to fear if you walk in righteousness. I don't go to bed thinking something will appear about me in the newspaper because I have nothing to fear. No, I sleep. In fact, at times my wife says, ah, the rate, you are sleeping already. <laughs> we will be talking. We've, we've, said, we've all said good night somehow, but you know, after good night at times, some things, you are still talking something, somebody is still looking something, and you know, like that. Then the next thing you say, you there, you there. You say, ah, you are sleeping already, I've gone. <laughs> I've gone. I may not sleep more than one or two hours at a time because I have things I want to do later. But when I want to sleep, I sleep. I don't, I don't think, oh, one day there is somebody, somebody who expose something. You say, see that your son that you gave birth to in uh, Sri Lanka. <laughs> he is now 12 years old. <laughs> He's now 12 years old. See, as he looks like you, plus. <laughs> no. No, it doesn't cross my mind. <laughs> no. People I do business with, I don't owe money. I don't owe money. Some of you have done business, some of a few of you here, we've done business together in the area I do business. Come and meet me. Ask me if I've ever owed you a dime. I pay you in time. Don't owe anybody money. I sleep soundly. If you love righteousness and hate wickedness, there is the peace of God that you will carry everywhere. Hallelujah. But if you tell this one A, you tell this one B, now you have to remember, was he the one I told B? Was he the one I told A? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's too much. Too much burden. Too much. Everything about my life is on social media. People call me. I met somebody yesterday. We do business together about five years ago. Then something brought us together again. And we met yesterday in the morning. And he said to me, and you know, we've never met physically. We've only seen each other 
uh, we've only spoken on the phone and exchanged emails a lot. We've never seen, I don't know what he looks like, he doesn't know what I look like. But then yesterday, as I was driving past where we were supposed to meet, he said, I've just seen you drive past. Then he said to me, he said, do you know that you are wondering how I knew you? I said, I'm not surprised that you know me anyway, but then how? He said, ah, I follow you a lot on social media. Then I laughed. Everything about me is there. There is a way of your life that if you continue to love righteousness and hate wickedness, now I'm not standing here and telling you I'm a perfect person. I am work in progress, but I will not, by the grace of God, deliberately be wicked. If I stand here and I say, let us give to a cause, I don't have any other motive other than that cause I say give to. Me too, I'm giving to it. Everything everybody gives in this church, pay tight, give offering, pay to this, contribute to this. I do everything myself. I have never, ever had any other intention other than that, which it is. This is how you continue to eschew the things of wickedness. We have a duty to always test all things and to hold on to what is good. First Thessalonians 5.21, it says, test all things, hold fast to what is good. Not every opportunity that comes before you is an opportunity you must take. Some opportunities have wickedness coated in them. No. Some opportunities have wickedness coated in them. And we must all understand this. Verse 22. Let's read verse 22 together. First Thessalonians 5.22. Everybody, let's go. Abstain from every form of evil. Some translations say flee. Don't stand there and say, I rebuke you. No, he didn't say rebuke evil. Just flee. Just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. One man of God said many years ago, he said he just finished a huge ministration. You know, those days they go do these conferences and uh, he was in a hotel room. And one woman, one lady just came and said, Pastor God, man of God, just pray for me. He said, no, I can't do that now. We've, we've done all the prayer, laid hands and left the place. He said, this woman followed, he didn't know. This woman followed him straight to his room. That he just, he was there. He didn't know who it was. And about two hours later, that the lady just came, stood in front of the, the room, and he said, I told you, that, are you not coming for tomorrow's session? Let's talk some more. Normally, I don't talk to people after now. I'm praying. I'm, blah, blah. And the lady just took her, uh, what she was wearing, and tore it like that. All the buttons came down, and she had nothing under. The man said he just saw that there was a gap between her and the door. <laughs> That, that was the first thing he saw. He didn't even look at what was it. He said the moment he saw that gap, he just ran through it. <laughs> he said, go inside and sleep there. If that's what you want to do, <laughs> I will sleep in the hallway. <laughs> Flee. <laughs> Some other man stand there and say, Shakarakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakak
I am not saying everybody in your lives must be exposed. There are people who are casual, you work together, you do things. That's not what I'm talking about. But there is this person that you are constantly talking with and at times you share intimate things because of the kind of relationship. Not that there was any bad motive originally. Be very careful. Let your spouse know. It is part of how there is a guard. When you don't know, at times, your spouse can see that this, this person, be careful. It helps you. I say it will help you. In the name of Jesus. And if you are not yet married, anybody hanging about you every day buying flower, every day buying this, please call them one day and say, brother, God bless you. What is your motive? <laughs> Where are we going with this thing? Because there are many men who do that. Then you suddenly discover that he has uh, somebody in uh, Abakaliki. <laughs> one place is called Abakaliki in one country like that. He has somebody there that is, is betrothed to or is marrying. Be very careful. There are forms of wickedness that are going about in our modern times. Hallelujah. We cannot abstain from this evil in our strength. We need to continue to draw grace. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2, it says, For the grace of God, verse 11, that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. The grace of God teaches us that we do what? Deny ungodliness. The grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. And it teaches us to live soberly, righteously and godly. So every day, draw grace. Thank God for yesterday's grace, but draw grace again today. Thank God for today's grace. When you wake up in the morning tomorrow again, say, Lord, I draw grace. I receive grace. I receive grace. Everywhere you go, everything you do, receive grace. In the name of Jesus. Don't feed the things that the devil knows are still areas that are work in progress in your life. If you know you cannot handle money very well, don't collect people's money. Do it. Just, you don't have to tell them I have a problem with money. Just tell them, give it to somebody else. It's true. Those of you that do uh, this thing, contribution. <laughs> contribution. I don't do it. I feel it's a waste of time. This is me personally. If I want to save 12,000 pounds in December 2022, I will start in January. I put 1,000 pounds away. December 2022, I will get my 12,000 pounds. That is my philosophy. I'm not saying don't do it. But if you get into trouble, don't come and ask me to pray for you. <laughs> Or to bind somebody who is owing your money. <laughs> Don't say pack number six and he vanished. That's not my <laughs> If you are such a person and you are the one taking first and you know that you may have problem, <laughs> tell them, please put me number 12. They say, oh, why? We want to give you first. Eh, I just want to be number 12. <laughs> Don't go and pack number one because... <laughs> because <laughs> they will chase you for the rest of the year. <laughs> know yourself. Help yourself. Know yourself. Help yourself. Hallelujah. Because those are the things that you will know. Look, the Bible says even Jesus Christ, when his time had not come, they wanted to catch him. What did he do? He escaped. Did you read that in your Bible? Jesus Christ himself. He escaped. Flee. Just leave anything that the devil wants to use to set you up like that. Just leave. Just leave. Don't argue it. Don't pray it. Just leave. Just leave, the Bible says. The gospel of Christ remains our authentic power over wickedness. Paul said, I'm not ashamed, Romans 1.16, of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation. Verse 17 says, for in it, in that gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. I live by faith. The just shall live by faith. This is how we must live. So shall it be in Jesus' name. I want to conclude with James chapter 1, verse 21. The Bible says, Therefore, lay aside, let's read it together. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Every time you meditate on the word of God, think about God's heart for you. Think about who God has made you. Think Joseph said, how can I do this wicked thing and sin against God? God was not brought into the picture in the physical. It looked like something appealing. It looked like something that was offered free of charge. He said, no, it is wickedness. 
The engrafted or the implanted word helps us to have our souls continually saved. Think the word of God all the time and protect yourself from all evil. Friends, these are perilous times, wicked times. Let us understand that we have a duty. Every one of us has a duty to keep standing. The message of grace does not give liberty to sin. The message of grace gives us power over sin. It doesn't give us liberty to sin, but it gives us power over sin. We must keep exercising that power over sin. Everybody is tempted, whoever you are, everyone is tempted. We must continue to make sure that we do not allow the devil to catch any one of us unawares in Jesus' name. You will continually be preserved in the mighty name of Jesus. Anything that is seeking to bring you down will never be able to do so. Your testimony will not be corrupted in the mighty name of Jesus. As we will be taking our communion today, what I want you to do is to believe God for a reinvigoration of his grace to keep standing. This is a race. You know, when you run a race, at times you feel tired. Then you get the second wind. It is called the second wind. You get that inner thing that pushes you forward again, and then you keep going, and then you keep going. Then you get tired again, then the thing kicks in again, and then you keep going. This is how our spiritual journey is. And today, these emblems, let's start.